Section 180 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter 215. Bath, December 31, 1757. My dear friend, I have this moment received your letter of the 18th, with the enclosed papers. I cannot help observing that, till then, you never acknowledge the receipt of any one of my letters. I can easily conceive that party spirit, among your brother ministers at Hamburg, runs as high as you represent it, because I can easily believe the errors of the human mind, but at the same time I must observe that such a spirit is the spirit of little minds and subaltern ministers, who think to atone by zeal for their want of merit and importance. The political differences of the several courts should never influence the personal behavior of their several ministers toward one another. There is a certain procès noble et galant, which should always be observed among the ministers of powers, even at war with each other, which will always turn out to the advantage of the ablest, who will in those conversations find, or make, opportunities of throwing out, or of receiving useful hints. When I was last at The Hague, we were at war with both France and Spain, so that I could neither visit, nor be visited by, the ministers of those two crowns. But we met every day, or dined at third places, where we embraced as personal friends, and trifled at the same time upon our being political enemies, and by this sort of badinage I discovered some things which I wanted to know. There is not a more prudent maxim than to live with one's enemies as if they may one day become one's friends, as it commonly happens sooner or later in the vicissitudes of political affairs. To your question, which is a rational and prudent one, whether I was authorized to give you the hints concerning Russia by any people in power here, I will tell you that I was not. But as I had pressed them to try what might be done with Russia, and got Mr. Keith to be dispatched there some months sooner than otherwise, I dare say he would, with the proper instructions for that purpose. I wished that, by the hints I gave you, you might have got the start of him, and the merit, at least, of having untom that matter with Sotokov. What you have to do with him now, when you meet with him at any third place, or at his own house, where you are at liberty to go, while Russia has a minister in London, and we a minister at Petersburg, is, in my opinion, to say to him, in an easy and cheerful manner, Eh bien, monsieur, je me flatte que nous serons bientôt amis publics, aussi bien qu'amis personnels to which he will probably ask why or how. You will reply, because you know that Mr. Keith is gone to his court with instructions, which you think must necessarily be agreeable there, and throw out to him that nothing but a change of their present system can save Livonia to Russia, for he cannot suppose that, while the Swedes shall have recovered Pomerania, they will long leave Russia in quiet possession of Livonia. If he is so much a Frenchman as you say, he will make you some weak answers to this, but as you will have the better of the argument on your side, you may remind him of the old and almost uninterrupted connection between France and Sweden, the inveterate enemy of Russia. Many other arguments will naturally occur to you in such a conversation, if you have it. In this case there is a piece of ministerial art, which is sometimes of use, and that is to sow jealousies among one's enemies, by a seeming preference shown to some one of them. Monsieur Heck's reveries are reveries indeed. How should his master have made the golden arrangements which he talks of, and which are to be forged into shackles for General Firmer? The Prussian finances are not in a condition now to make such expensive arrangements. 
but I think you may tell Monsieur Hecht, in confidence, that you hope the instructions with which you know Mr. Keith is gone to Petersburg may have some effect upon the measures of that court. I would advise you to live with that same Monsieur Hecht in all the confidence, familiarity, and connection which prudence will allow. I mean it with regard to the King of Prussia himself, by whom I could wish you to be known and esteemed as much as possible. It may be of use to you some day or other. If man, courage, conduct, constancy, can get the better of all the difficulties which the King of Prussia has to struggle with, he will rise superior to them. But still, while his alliance subsists against him, I dread les gros escadrons. His last victory of the fifth was certainly the completest that has been heard of these many years. I heartily wish the Prince of Brunswick just such a one over Monsieur de Richelieu's army, and that he may take my old acquaintance, the Marechal, and send him over here to polish and perfume us. I heartily wish you, in the plain, homespun style, a great number of happy new years, well employed in forming both your mind and your manners, to be useful and agreeable to yourself, your country, and your friends. That these wishes are sincere, your secretary's brother will, by the time of your receiving this, have remitted you a proof from yours. End of section 180. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.